0: Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Saga Thing, where we're busy wassailing and celebrating the literature of medieval Iceland, even during the holidays. I'm John, And I'm Andy. And a, a happy Yule to you. And to you. And to you.
1: And to us all. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just settling in for a long winter's night of, well... What? Drinking. <laughs> Well, that's the most important part of of wassailing, of course, but uh, not just drinking. Also talking. That's more or less what wassailing is, I think. It's also about like togetherness, being together. Yes. Yes. Songs, sharing tales. Drinking together. Yes, but it's not just about drinking. It's also for talking about influential holiday traditions of Icelandic literature that we may or may not have made up. Uh Uh-huh. But yes, we're also drinking. Uh, What do you got? Well, I recently went up to Ohio, and I got one of my favorites, uh, Christmas Ale from Great Lakes Brewing Company. It's Ooh. got spices and honey in it.
0: Very nice. It's a good one. What are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Um, I have got a Black Manhattan.
1: Oh, I love
0: a Black Manhattan. All right. Yep. La Rye whiskey, some Averno, uh, some bitters, uh, homemade uh, homemade cherry. Well, well, well. well. Good stuff. Look at you can't wash away the cares of the old year with a single drink so i'll probably be having more than one a eh, single malt might work though that's my hypothesis yes
1: yeah so uh so john why uh, why are we here why am i talking to you tonight <laughs>
0: uh, enjoying our friendship yeah i've got uh, better things to do with that. <laughs> andy uh what do you know about
1: the yule lads oh uh, i know a lot about the yule lads actually yeah yeah, yeah that, that actually makes sense. It's kind of a stupid question, really. I mean, chances are, and this is, you know, this is a conversation John and I had uh, before recording. If you listen to this podcast, you've at least heard of the Yule Lads, I would hope. Um, or maybe their scary mother, Grila
0: the Troll, or their lazy father, Lepaludi. Yeah, if you haven't heard of any of them, though, that's fine. This is a sagas podcast, mm-hmm. and with the possible exception of Grilla, this isn't a medieval story.
1: No, that that's true. Uh, but m- maybe. Maybe it is. And we'll, we'll see about that. But the good news is, if you keep listening for uh, a half hour or so, you're going to be completely misinformed about the Yule Lads, thanks to us.
0: Uh, and you mispronounced knowledgeable.
1: Uh, no, I, I did not.
0: It's fair. Uh, so let's start with the basics. If you've ever been to Iceland in the fall or winter, or if you've ever looked at the more touristy section of a Reykjavik bookstore you're probably at least a little familiar with the Yule Lads. Yes. The books about the Yule Lads feature a group of boozily, cherubic, gnomish characters, which I'm realizing as I say that sounds like I'm just describing the American idea of leprechauns. <laughs>
1: or you Or possibly
0: and me. other people's idea of us, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess if you're an American, just picture a sort of Scandinavian leprechaun. And if you're not an American, just imagine a bunch of drunk old gnomes or us. Uh, and then stop imagining that, because that's not what we're talking about here. You
1: could also describe them as miniature Santa Clauses, at least in the modern view of them.
0: Right. So a bunch of tiny Santa Clauses all in a row. That's right.
1: Uh, thir- you know, I, I, in fact, if you research the, the Yule lads online, one of the things you'll often see is uh, Iceland doesn't have just one Santa Claus. We have 13. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Right. I, I mean, that's somewhat nonsensical, but honestly, this entire episode is sort of in the key of nonsense. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, the point is that we're going to try to get at where these bearded sots who may or may not be pint-sized Santa Claus,es come from. Yeah. Uh, the story of the Yule Lads begins in the 17th century, mm-hmm. uh, or at least that's when we find the oldest surviving writing about them.
1: Yeah, that's in the poem of Grilla.
0: Yeah, that poem's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> well, Grilla the Troll, she's been
1: around at least since the 13th century, but she's not really a personality in those texts, more of a, a, no, a reference.
0: No, true. Yeah, the infamous Snorri Sturluson includes her among the troll wives in the prose edit. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also mentioned as a huge and hideous troll in his Lending a Book and in a couple of sagas, I think. Yeah, like Speris Saga. Yes, thank you, yes. Uh, But as you said, she's not much of a figure beyond huge and hideous. Yeah, no, uh, she doesn't start showing up in association with
1: Christmas or Yule until about four or five hundred years later. Mm -hmm. In the 17th century, there's a poem called The Lay of Grilla, uh, and it identifies her with Christmas specifically for the first time. So prior to that, there's no real reason to associate her with Christmas. Um, But she's also, in that same story, uh, identified as the mother of a brood of troll men, scary figures who chase after children and cause different kinds of trouble around the house. Yeah, the
0: Yule Lads are essentially monstrous, uh, like their mother, But where Grilla is a monster who eats children, the Yule lads usually just make children's lives more difficult.
1: Usually, yeah. Sometimes sometimes they do eat children, though, depending on
0: what story. I mean, not all the time. They can stop whenever they want. (laughs) Uh, Besides, they have to be a little scary. I mean, it's it's not a good folktale if it's not meant to terrify children. It's the seal of quality, really. You know... Funny you say that. You know, an actual seal of quality would also be terrifying.
1: Well, it would never come near a saga thing. Well, what would it do to the things it doesn't approve of? Oh, oh, a seal! I see what you're doing there. Yes. I, I like this. The pinniped of horror, something like that. yes. So uh, the Yule lads are troublemakers from the 17th century. Well, I mean, again, sort of, but it, it's not always the same kinds of trouble, and it's not always the same number of lads, and not mm-hmm. always the same names, because. It takes a long time to figure out just how many Yule lads there are, what their names are, and so on. There used to be a lot more of them. Some lists include more than 80 distinct figures. And some of them change jobs or change sex before the story finally settles on the 13 that we now have. Yeah, and we lost
0: a bunch of really interesting trolls along the way, by the way. Uh, At one point, there was a lad named (laughs) Lung Splatter, whose lungs hung from his mouth in a bloody mass. Oh,
1: yeah. That one is legitimately
0: horrible. Uh, And... Apparently, he would chase children and try to thwack them with his bloody lungs. Oh, good lord! <laughs> I really like
1: that. It's it's hilarious. I mean, one of the things that's so interesting about looking into these figures is both uh, Grilla and the different Yule lads. Uh, they were much more horrific um, in the early yeah. days when they were legitimately trying to scare children, and I think they've kind of pulled back on that quite right. a bit. Right? Um, I mean,
0: there were also some, and they were also more disgusting. I mean, you know, that's oh, yeah. kind of just gross. There's also, there's one who was called Dung Channel Liquor. Oof. Uh, no prizes for guessing what he was into.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. I Maybe mean, we could do a whole saga brief on uh, Yule Lad nicknames, huh? On the other Yule Lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be right up our alley. Um, oh, there, there's like two sisters, right? So talking about like uh, most of them are seem to be men, but there were two sisters, mm-hmm. uh, one named yep. uh, Flotnos and uh, Flotsoka. Who, who stole mm-hmm. fat from the kitchen by stuffing it into their noses. How about that? Of course. Where else would you stick it? Oh, and and their socks, right? Flotsoka.
0: Obviously. It's, it's the obvious second choice. I mean, once your, your nose, nose is, is full, you, you go to the socks. Now, now, John,
1: why, one might ask, are we talking about the Yule Lads and their origins? Well, that's a good question, but we've definitely got answers this time. What do you mean this time? Like Like we don't usually have answers for the things we ramble on about? Hmm? No, we don't. But go on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll lean into the bit. All right. Well, John and I are very excited to share some important Yule Lads related news with you that we've been saving since John's trip to Iceland earlier this year.
0: Oh yes, this has been a long time coming. And there's a reason we decided to share a bit of background on the Yule Lads for this Christmas season.
1: Yes, there is. Now, it's already well known that the Yule Lads were popularized through the famous poem Jóla Sveinernir, which is by Johannes Irkotlum in his book Jólin Koma, or Christmas is Coming, from 1932. That's where you, you'd yeah. be familiar with them from.
0: If any of our listeners are interested, by the way, there's an English translation by Hotberg Houtmansson, which can be found pretty easily on the internet these days.
1: Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes. Great. Uh, but
0: as we've discussed...
1: They were known to Icelanders long before that. Uh, their names would first show up in print back in the 1860s when folklorist Jón Arnason published a list of Yule lads in his Icelandic Folktales and Legends, a two-volume set.
0: Right, and it's, it's well known, in, I mean, you know, in the very small group of people who have researched the subject of the Yule lads, that Jón Arnason put a lot of effort into tracking down those identities and the names of the many different Yule lads from different Icelandic traditions. Yeah, and this this is where the story gets really interesting. Yeah, so when I was in Iceland this past May, I took a bit of time to dig through the stacks at the National Library of Iceland. So you were looking stuff up on the Yule Lads, I take it? No, I wasn't actually. I was looking up uh, Icelandic descriptions of
1: Charlemagne at the time. Were you now? That's I find that hard to believe, and it's also completely
0: unrelated, but go ahead. Well, you might think so, but Yarn uh, Arneson did write a biography of Charlemagne, which did he published he? in 1853. Really? Yep. Okay. So I was in the stacks, and a funny thing happened. Uh, I'm looking through some of Arneson's notes on the subject, and what should <laughs> slip out from between two pages, but a very, very old piece of paper with what looked like a poem written on it. This
1: is both the most exciting... And most unbelievable part of the whole story.
0: <laughs> How dare you cast aspersions on my story, sir? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did a I did a bit of quick research. I got some help identifying it as a copy of what appears to be a late medieval or possibly early modern poem about the Yule Lads harassing a family of farmers. Now, in, in full transparency
1: and honesty, we were both blown away by this discovery. I mean... <laughs> What are the chances that two hack Old Norse lit scholars from America, of all places, would stumble on something like this? Right. I mean, not once, but
0: several times. Yeah. You live on a track record here. It seems like every year we discover a new medieval Icelandic origin for some popular story here on Saga Thing. It's, It's incredible. What can I say? We're just very, very lucky, aren't we? Right. Well, and you know, you'd think we'd be more famous by now from this, but <laughs> it seems that we're just foolish enough to look in the places that nobody else thinks about. Andy, that's right. Now, um, John, the date on this
1: this poem that you discovered is a little mm-hmm. tricky, so we're, we're not going to venture to a guess at this stage. But there is something. I'm going to pe- go with uh, sometime in late November. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but there there's something peculiar you noticed about the different sections, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a manuscript that, like a lot of manuscripts, you know, was the, uh, the product of work by several people. And if you look at this, it's clearly written in three different hands. Hmm. Right? The handwriting in the beginning section of the poem only lasts for about the first 20 or 30 lines or so. And then shifts into the main hand, uh, the B hand, or we're going to call it the, uh, the, the central hand yeah. of the poem. Uh, most of the poem, the section about the Yule Lads, is written in the central hand, and then a third hand uh, appears to be much later on, possibly using different writing, maybe, a, maybe even a pen as opposed to a quill, um, appears only for the last 20 or 25 lines, and introduces, as you'll see, a kind of deus ex machina to the poem. Very well,
1: interesting phrasing there. The other thing that's noteworthy about the differences between the three sections is not only are they in different hands, but they're in, in different metrical styles, right? Right.
0: Well, yeah, one of them actually has some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, all three of them are in uh, different styles. Uh, one of them appears to be a, uh, an imitation of a kind of classical holiday style, but the others hmm. uh, appear to be something entirely their own. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. So we've it's all, done our it's best, all, Andy. It's almost like the person who wrote this didn't do a very good job of maintaining a consistent metrical form, and so well, uh, I think it's admirable that the, that whoever wrote this
1: uh, <laughs> put in the effort to do it uh, on such short notice. i because it seems like you've written under duress. You mean seven hundred years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's it just has that feel of being written very quickly, right? Right, sure. Under duress. <laughs>
0: and, and possibly, we,
1: possibly at the end of a semester. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. We don't know if they're a teacher or what they are. Who knows? Good who point. Good point. But uh, with that very brief intro, I think it's time to share with the world the oldest surviving poem about the Yule Lads.
0: Absolutely. You Know Sheepcoat and gully-hawk, and stubby and spoon-lick, pot-scraper, door-slammer, meat-hook and bowl-lick. One who swipes sausages, another takes candles, one lurks at the doorway and sniffs at the handle, and one's at the window with a wink and a leer, and under the table one's scarfing your skier. They don't mean to harm you or cause you distress. You can
1: lock up your house, but they'll nevertheless find their way to your feast and rob your house bare. They're just hungry lads, lean starving and spare. They're slaves to their bellies. They don't act from spite, for their parents don't feed them as well as they might. So they roam every Yuletide because of their
0: plight. Seek a morsel or two for their large appetites. Our story begins in a time long ago when life was much simpler but harder when farmers and families worked all the year through to add enough food to their larder. At the end of each year at the coming of Yule, folks welcomed the chance to relax, to eat and to drink just a little too much and to feast upon holiday snacks. On roast lamb and sweet jams, fresh cheeses and buns, on sausages, cracklings and fish, on bacon and stew and a beef joint or two, a new treat on each well-filled dish on mugs of new ales, small helpings of mead, and milk by the court, fresh and creamy, and pots, pans, and basins yet filled with more treats, and the kitchen smells rich, hot, and steaming. As a family
1: prepares for their Yule evening feast, the mother reminds her two young ones to fill Oscar bowls with good helpings of food for folks who might stop to receive them. As the bowls and the plates and the mugs are all filled, and laid for the hosts and their friends, all the smells from the hearth and the sounds of sweet mirth have drawn guests they didn't intend. From outside the window Peeper is watching, his nose pressed, his eyes all aglare. And out at the keyhole, Dor Sniffer is snuffling, and picking each scent from the air. And as the two Yule spies make puddles of drool, a skillet of lava bread served while a portion of food from each plate and bowl is put to one side
0: and reserved. Come, Sniffer, said Peeper, while holding his belly, lest its hungry growls give them away. We've seen what we need, and we need what we've seen. Our brothers must know straight away. Then Peeper and Sniffer returned to the woods to tell their troll brethren the score, and back they come sneaking a crowd of Yule lads to see how they might get indoors. The plan is quite simple, the oldest lad said, we just need to get let inside. Where the food and the drink are so plentifully laid, we'll eat till we've just about died. Now follow my lead, old sheepcoat Claude grinned. I have a trick that will work, smooth as silk. And he let himself into the moonlit sheepyard and helped himself to the sheep's milk. As always, he sought the drink straight from its source, where the ewe gives the lamb its first suck. But his legs were as stiff as two wood-whittled canes, and he fell with a crash in the muck.
1: Inside, the family was gathering round, in Frey's name gave thanks for the feast, when they heard a great ruckus from out in the yard, like the fall of some great monstrous beast. From outside, the family heard angry sheep bleeding, outraged by young sheepcote's intention. The farmer and son rushed out into the yard to perform an ovine intervention. They burst out the door, but the yule lad was gone. He'd staggered away on stiff knees. And as the farm door swung out wide in its hinge, the yule lads slipped in to the feast. Inside, no one knew they'd been joined by the trolls, though the farm was near stuffed with the sneaks. But it didn't take long before each of the boys made their actions like louder words
0: speak. First the middlemost brother, door-slammer he's called, and a rascal he was, sneaked out back. He shut the back door, crashed it into its frame as though a strong wind had attacked. He was happiest, that one, when he could make noise, crashing portals till hinges would scream. And the household came running to see about the noise, but there wasn't a thing to be seen. Just then, inside, where the food was laid out, came a laugh and a crash and a shout, and the farmhouse was plunged into shadows as the candles and rushes went out. For Brother Thirteen, Kertasnika the Lean, with his cackling face long and sallow, from corner to corner took every last candle and ate them hot to get the tallow. In the dim light the family raced to and fro. In the chaos they heard happy laughter. As up from the ceiling four boots dangled down, two yule lads were sat in their rafters. Fishing for food, Sausage Swiper caught Lynx, for that was his favorite provender. Beside him Meat Hook used his sharp namesake Crook to catch at the cutlet so tender.
1: As the meats and the treats were caught up and hauled in by the lads lurking up in the gables, more lads went to work in the dimly lit murk, as sly hands slipped from under the table. They grasped Oscar bowls full of curds and of skeer For under the tables two trolls. Skeer gobbler and bowl liquor made quite a team as they cleared out and cleaned up the bowls. In the kitchen the liquors and scrapers got busy, helping themselves to the scraps. Spoon liquor Pot scraper, Stubby the Short, all three of those scrap scrounging chaps went straight to the kitchen with its stacked soiled plates. They went wild amongst the crockery and dishes, gobbling each morsel stuck to pot or to pan, in accordance with each Yule lad's wishes. From outside the house came good natured singing, as two more lads supped from their mugs. Sheepcoat and Gullygock sat midst the sheep and the cow taking milk from their lugs. The songs that they sang were of heists new and old, of farmhouses picked clean of grub, and they each took their turn pulling
0: suds for them both, like friends sharing rounds in a pub. The farmer, his wife, and their children and friends were a whirl as they lost all their food. From above, from below, in the back and the front, they're beset by old grilla's young brood. But alas, every guest, no matter how happy, eventually craves their own bed. And each well-stuffed yule lad soon went on their way, with bellies and spirits well-fed. The Sniffer of doorways and Peeper his pal were the last up the door, arm in arm. With the last bits of bacon still tight in their fists, as they left, Sniffer mumbled a charm, that good fortune would come soon to help their poor hosts, who fed them uncommonly well, that they should not be by theft entirely abandoned by fate for Noël. The husband and wife and their children stood silently in the dim light, and looked in dismay at one bowl that remained as the lads passed out into the night. The door had scarce
1: closed fast behind them, with a last kick from door-slammer's toe, when lo, with a shift in our poem, came a knock on the door loud and slow. The husband and wife hesitated, and looked at the mess on their floor, and wondered what fresh hell awaited them outside their pine-paneled door. But the boy and the girl knew at yule all guests must be warmly received and they opened their door per the rule and all thought that their eyes were deceived for there tall and proud on the mat was an old man with long white-hued beard and the new falling snow on his hat and one eye sparkling with cheer and he asked have you anything warming my old bones are stiff with the cold in the children felt suspicion forming that this fellow had to be Odin.
0: But they knew what to do and said yes, and hospitably ushered him in. They built up the fire for their guest as the adults all gaped at this vision. And have you, then asked the gray hair, who so clearly was Howard the old father. Some food and some drink that you can spare. I do hate to be such a bother. The husband and wife knew their duty, so they scraped that one bowl on a plate and they made it as tempting as could be, and they watched the old man as he ate. My thanks, said Odin as he arose, in disguise, though he'd fooled no one there, and laying a finger aside of his nose, he vanished like mist in the air. And the family were famished but cheerful, that they'd served their last guest with their best. For a moment they felt almost tearful, but knew that their house would be blessed. They weren't surprised when a tingle then passed through each adult and child. Then, with the quietest jingle, their table was once again piled with every food, meat, and ale, and a few that no one there'd seen. And they said, Saw that coming, but still, it's been quite a Yule-tide indeed. Out in the woods, all the Yule-lads were gathered and all in good cheer as they laughed at the fun they'd all had and planned for the next house next year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Gladly yule And uh, we will see you in 2024. Jóla Sveina, reynd og átta, Ovan kom
1: af fjöllunum. Í fyrra kvöld þá ég fór að hafta, Þeir fundan Jón á völlunum.